And what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pace the Nation, broadcasting from Studio 1A in Clarendon. I'm your host, Chris Farley. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host to my right, Joanna E. Russo. Joanna, what's up? Hi, Chris. How's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Great to see you. Also to my left is William E. Docs. Docs, what's up? That's kind of a weird introduction you just had with Joanna. <laughs> I was just asking her how she was. And yeah, you and then you're like, great to see you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, it kind of was. Sorry. Yeah. Do you want to redo that? No, I like it the way it was. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Let's uh, make our listeners feel as awkward as possible. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, well, we do have a uh, big show today, guys. Um, as always, a big show, Docs. I know you love when I talk about our, our big show. What show number is on, this? On tap. Is uh, this 25? Today is show number 25. So this is our 25th big show for our new <laughs> listeners. <laughs> That's right. 25th big show. Uh, very excited to uh, do the tweets of the week. That's what we're here for, right? Yeah, we got that coming. Uh, we're also going to recap where we're going to have the Pace the Nation happy hour. So that must another, be it. That's that's another big event. Must be the full agenda. And uh, no, finally, we're going to talk to uh, two-time world championship medalist and Olympian Matthew Sensowitz Jr. and car owner and car owner. Yeah, he does. Uh, I think he he owns. Well, we'll have to ask him what he owns. I don't want to. I don't want to botch it uh, before we talk to him. Right. You want to botch it while we talk while, to him. While we talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's it's a it's a nice car. I'm not a car guy though, Docs. But uh, yeah. But uh, it is it is a nice car. I've seen it on Instagram. He's a good follow on Instagram too. We'll have to ask him what his Instagram account is. I think it's like MG Centro or something like that, or Matthew Centro. We can good, fact check that. Good yeah. memory. Yeah. Uh, but we will have uh, the two-time world champion medalist join us today on today's program. We're actually going to have to take a road trip, guys, from the studio uh, over to Coach's uh, apartment. You know what that means? That means the equipment is uh, in jeopardy? No, it means more work for me. <laughs> that is true. Oh, I thought it meant um, a road trip playlist. <laughs> we could do that, too. I'll take care of that. What, what right. was the, what was the song that you brought us in on, Joanna? Um, it's a Jay Z song called okay. "A Star Is Born." Okay, that sounds like a Matthew Sensowitz type song. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if he likes Jay Z, but I know he likes J Cole, and okay. J Cole is featured in the song. All right. Well, maybe, and they both have J's in their name, and they both have J's in their name, uh-huh. and I have a J in my name. So, <laughs> Whoa, yeah, it can be all These about coincidences. It, it going can nuts. be all about Matthew, right? Like yeah. I'm on the show too. Wow. Yeah, well, uh, we we did talk to uh, Matthew's dad back in what uh, episode? Seven. Episode seven. So uh, for the listeners who have been with us for that, that period of time, you know, he was a he was a great interview. He's going to be hard to top. Matthew has a lot to live up to. He does have a lot to live Hopefully up to. like father, like son. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we, we might ask him about like father, like son also in today's interview. But uh, if you're new to the program, uh, yeah, episode seven is a good one to listen to. It was uh, Matt Sensuitz Sr., so we're going to have our first uh, father and son combination on the show. Uh And if you're new to the show, should we also tell them where to skip forward to when (laughs) Matthew's interview starts? Uh, No. no, Uh, no. uh, Sorry, Sorry, folks. Let's not give them that much of a roadmap. 
Uh, we want them to. We're, we're trying to hook them in for the the you know. The entire... uh, don't go too far behind the scenes. Okay. All right. Well, guys, let's uh, not waste too much time. Let's get this equipment packed and head on over to uh, Matt Senior's place. So next on the program, Matthew Sensuitz Jr. Wait, you weren't done. Welcome back to Pace the Nation, and guys, we are now excited to be joined by two-time world championship medalist. He's an Olympian from 2012, but he may be the second best runner in his family. Let's ask him his opinion <laughs> on it. It's Matt Sensiewicz Jr. Matt, what's up, man? How you guys doing? Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Uh, that question there, are you the second best or are you the best runner in your family, would you say at this point? Oh, it's hard to tell. You know, there's uh, there's things my dad has achieved that I haven't quite done yet and uh, vice versa. So um, I think we're going to have to wait for my career to be over with to, uh, to yeah, come yeah, to consensus I, to see who I, it is. I, I agree. It, it's not it's not final yet. I was talking to, to, to your dad a couple days ago, and he still ran off a few records that he has that uh, – you haven't gotten or didn't reach maybe in high school. Did you did you beat his time in high school? Oh, uh, well, okay. So two mile, yeah, yeah, uh, spanked that one. And then uh, <laughs> his mile, though, yeah, he had me by. He ran four hundred two seven, so he had me by uh, like seven tenths, I think, or yep. yeah, six seven tenths. So um, yeah, one and one. So it was. Uh, we're close. All right. Well, yeah. Is yeah. your high school eligibility up, or could yeah. you go back and? I think I have to. Yeah, I have to put some of the money that Nike's pay me back, and I might be able to find some high <laughs> find, school eligibility. Find like yeah. a like some satellite school that's yeah. willing to uh, put you in a race. Get a get a fake ID that says I'm under mm-hmm. 18, and go right. back. Yeah. So you grew up in the D.C. area. I'd say D.C. area ish. You were from Arnold, Maryland. Is that right? That's correct. And that's uh, kind of out by Annapolis area. Mm-hmm. And. Growing up, were you always a runner, like in middle school and elementary school, or did you do other sports? I did other sports. Um, soccer was the main sport I did for seven years. Um, I even had my screen name was the uh, next Pele, not the the next Pele. <laughs> da. Da. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually I remember it was eighth grade, and I was on the fence whether I was going to do cross country or continue with soccer going into freshman year, and. Uh, Two of my best friends who were on the soccer team. I remember that summer we were they were like totally convincing, like you know we're gonna go to high school, we're gonna make varsity, we're gonna play for Real Madrid one day. <laughs> and I remember just getting so excited. I'm like, yeah, you're right. This is it. What am I thinking about this running thing? And so I decided, you know, they convinced me. I decided to go with soccer freshman year. Long story short, did not make the varsity team, um, and that was kind of a huge letdown. Um, and that definitely like let me know that you know I wasn't obviously as good of a I wasn't going to be the next Pele. Let's just leave it at that. So did they <laughs> did they end up playing for Real Madrid? No, no, yeah, no. His, his, none uh, of us made the varsity. His <laughs> buddies Kareem Benzema and Cristiano Ronaldo. See, yeah, Doc, have you guys heard of those guys? Yeah, and Docs <laughs> is a real soccer guy. So, <laughs> so was it football? What, was there yeah football? Uh, was there any pressure being you know the son of an Olympian? Any pressure to 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 run when you were younger? No, you know, I, I get that question a lot, and I obviously credit my parents, um, who are both runners, um, that 
put no pressure whatsoever on uh, me, you know, becoming a runner or, or getting into the sport of track and field. And on top of that, um, my father, you know, I found out more of his credentials as I grew in the sport, like reading articles on him and I would come home from an article that was on me being like son of an Olympian or two time Olympian. I'm like, Dad, you went to the Olympics and you know <laughs> and yeah, he it was he was just always that way. He never had his um his plaques or his certificate, whatever, all of his credentials out in the uh in the living room and so, you know, he was very quiet and um and humble about his uh his career and so I think that helped me find my way in the sport and um allowed me to kind of you know, not knowing anything about what he achieved, you know, made obviously a lot easier for me to kind of go about my path. Yeah, and I remember, guys, um, so I ran for, for, for Matthew's dad and after college, and I remember he came out to a practice one time, and he'd only let you run a mile, but he beat everybody, and we were this, <laughs> you know, 5 o'clock group that was a bunch of, you know, has-been road racers, but he beat us all in the mile, uh, but you know, it wasn't like he was pushing you into the end of the sport. So I remember that as, as well. So I, I thought that I was wish, pretty I cool. wish you'd only let me run a mile now. <laughs> yeah. I have to run 10 of those or else I'm, uh, not right. doing something. So, uh, very successful high school career. Talk about some of the highlights of your high school career. Um, you know, I think I'm most proud about my, uh, high school state me record, um, in the 1600, um, uh, I ran 404 flat by myself and, uh, yeah, I mean, my dad always told me, like, you know, when you graduate high school and you look back, he's still proud of his high school record that he has to this day, um, and that he, I think he wanted that for me as well, and uh, and it is still special to me, um, and that's the that's the first thing I think about um, before anything else, and uh, yeah, I was primarily a two-miler in high school, which is kind of weird to, to like, look back at now and, um, and see, but... Um, yeah, won Nike Outdoor Nationals in the two mile with uh, with a time that was still tied with obviously will always be tied with Steve Prefontaine, which is just a, kind of a cool thing. I'm glad I didn't run a tenth faster or a tenth slower. You <laughs> know, cool. to to say I'm tied with Pre is uh, is a really cool thing. So um, yeah, those are pretty much a uh, couple achievements that I'm really proud of. So you know, there's a lot of you talked about Prefontaine. Your dad obviously went to Oregon. Uh, did that make the decision easy? to go to Oregon because you had all these ties or was there other schools in the running at that time? Yeah, no, I mean, I, as my dad being a college coach, he knows how important it is for um, a high schooler to look around um, and not just at one school, you know, even if you're dead set sold on one, it's always good to just see one more other just to verify, you know, um, validate how much you really like that one school or confirm that, you know, that's the place you want to be. So I, I took four visits, not all five, and uh, they're all in different parts of the country, um, one in the Midwest, Notre Dame, one in the South, Texas, one in the East, Georgetown, and then, the, of course, the last one in the West, um, Oregon. And uh, I enjoyed all the visits. The coaches were great. The teams were great. Um, it was a very hard decision, but um, my dad made it easy for me by listing everything on, on this piece of paper that I had, you know, the coach, the team, the location, the weather, um, academics, and what I did was it was a list of like 10, 15 things, and I just went down and just kind of checked which school had the best one that I liked out of each box. And I think besides academics, I think Oregon <laughs> had about every single check in the box. And um, it, that, I mean, literally looking, taking a step back and kind of looking after I made the checks, I was like, this is a no-brainer, you know. Um, but it was my decision, you know. My dad, uh, my dad had no influence on me whatsoever um, on, on going to the, on the, going to the school, and uh, that was where I wanted to go. 
Yeah, and one of the things about Oregon, obviously, is you're running with some of the best in the country, if not the world. So it wasn't like you came in there and you were, you know, as a freshman or even early in your career, the best in the country. Like, you know, you've been a, a multiple time medalist now in the world championships, but it wasn't always as easy as one might think, right? Yeah, and um, that that's another thing that drew me to Oregon. You know, it wasn't a it wasn't a program that when I graduated high school, I was going to step in as the top person. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't even make the cross country team freshman year. Um, I was the alternate at cross country nationals, and that was obviously humbling because you know all summer long I was ready to step in and you know help uh, contribute to the team, and so um, but that allowed me to kind of you know, push myself a little bit harder so I could uh, not only make the team, but, you know, be able to do something at the national level. Um, And, you know, being able to train alongside, you know, past great runners such as, you know, Galen Rupp, um, Andrew Weeding, you know, AJ Acosta, and the list goes on, um, also helped me grow as as a runner and an individual off the, off the track. So, yeah. And I, I I see you kind of as this, now you've really ad- adopted the West Coast or, you know, you're in Portland now. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, but I see you kind of as an East Coast guy. Yeah, of uh, course. You know, all the sports teams and, you know, on the East Coast that you're still following and all those things that go with being part of the East Coast. Was that a tough adju- adjustment going out to Eugene and being part of uh, that scene out there in Oregon? Oh, definitely. I mean, I've been out there now about almost eight years, and uh, you know I've moved to a bigger city, to Portland. I'm not in Eugene anymore, and it's still an adjustment. You know, driving behind people that are going 55 miles per hour in the fast lane. Right. Um, I feel like you know not only do I talk 10 <laughs> times faster than everyone, I'm eating 10 times faster than everyone. It's just it's just a slower paced life, and um, I think for training and, and running specifically, I think it's uh, it's a good lifestyle, and um, it's right now the the place I got to be to to achieve the goals and. Um, dreams that I have for myself in running, but it definitely took uh, an adjustment period, and uh, I enjoy coming back east, you know, every now and then, and visit family and friends, and it's fun. And uh, but ultimately, I know that Oregon right now is the best place yes. for me. How often do you get back east? Not as much as uh, as I like. Um, DC specifically, only once or twice a year. Um, but I'll come back east for some indoor races and maybe an outdoor race or two. But um, it's usually New York or Boston, and then you know DC once a year probably. So tell tell us when you really feel like you came into your own as a runner uh, in college. Uh, I think it was my sophomore year um, where you know I, I remember telling myself it was an indoor race and it was a mile indoors um, at University of Washington, and I was like just ever since freshman year, actually ever since high school. Try getting under that four minute mile, you know, trying to break that four minute barrier. And finally, my sophomore year, freshman year, I'd run four flat point, like two. And sophomore year, I was like, you know what? Enough about time. You know, let's get back to what I did in high school. And it was just about competing. You know, I never put a time on anything um, when I had my best races. And so I was like, let's go back to that, you know. And um, I remember David Torrance was in the race, and I just kind of sat on him and, uh, you know, kind of told me to. Um, a 357 mile and I ended up winning that race and that was kind of like all right like now I feel like I can run with these guys you know these college and post-collegiate guys like this is you know this is what I envisioned myself coming to the University of Oregon and doing you know and now I'm uh, you know one of the guys on the top uh, NCAA list and that was kind of a breakthrough race for me. So at that point do you feel like being in Eugene and where track I feel like really does matter 
do people start recognizing you? You've broken four minutes. You're becoming on the national scene in the NCAA level. Do people start recognizing you at the grocery store or things like that? Um, yes and no. I mean, um, you know, I think track is like the second most popular sport there behind probably football. And what we have our own billboard, which is really cool. You probably – most schools don't get that. Um, and so, yeah, having your own billboard, you know, and eating – you know, taking a girl on a date right near uh, right near the billboard on purpose is is a good strategic plan. You know? <laughs> That's a great move. Um, you know, ask her, you know, look outside a little bit. You see anything, you know. <laughs> But um, no, I mean it wasn't it wasn't anything where like you know you're getting stopped for autographs. But it, there were some times like you go to um, you know the original House of Pancakes, which is obviously notorious for having a lot of uh, pictures of past runners, great runners, and current Oregon Ducks. Um, you know, I remember I signed some posters there, and the, the woman would greet me that worked there of you know good to have you. How's the season going? So things like that, which is really cool because they're all into it. But um, yeah, it was it was a nice because it didn't make you feel like a celebrity, but they right. were very involved in your running, so it was, it was a good balance. Is your photo hanging up in like a lot of restaurants everywhere, and, and uh, do you know every single one? <laughs> uh, well, okay, yeah. So like OHOP, we have a poster that was uh, the cross country team. Um, they took the billboards usually seasonal, um, right, right. Yeah, and they'll they'll take that down and put up the you know the new current runners, but. This past year, they had the uh, the Nike Zoom um, people out on the on the academic building, um, which is funny because I didn't spend much time in there, but I'm on there. But uh, <laughs> and so that was a good spot where like people going into the track, you couldn't miss it, you know. Right. And it was a good and bad thing because my mom didn't know how to tattoo at the time, <laughs> and it was me shirtless, me like I think I'm me and one other guy are only shirtless up there, and I'm like, right. it sucks to have a great body, chiseled body, because they wanted me to go with that one instead of a shirt on me, so. I had to let my mom know that, you know, I have a tattoo, you know, prepare yourself. I don't want you uh, freaking out right before my race. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's a couple places that, you know, you know where they kind of advertise a lot of the sports teams and, and either the current or past guys, but it's all spread out through town. So Yeah, you mentioned the tattoo, and I wanted to ask you about that. It's like father like son across your chest. It's a Nike ad. I mean, there is a Nike ad where it's prominently displayed. When did you get that? And is this a, a chicken and the egg question? Yeah. Well, which, came which, first? which came yeah. first, the tattoo or the ad? Well, no, I, I the the it's ad actually was photoshopped. You no, know, it's definitely <laughs> it was definitely the tattoo was first. At least I think it was first. But uh, talk about that ad and the meaning behind. I mean, not the ad. Talk about the tattoo and the meaning <laughs> sure. behind it. Yeah, I don't know. Like uh, I was uh, itching for another tattoo, and uh, I was thinking of something to do with uh, with my father, whether it was a, a quote that meant something or, you know, I was kind of thinking about it for a while, to be honest with you, and um, I, can't, I forgot where I came across the uh, the quote, but, you know, like father, like son is obviously a, um, a pretty uh, prominent uh, quote out there, and uh, I just thought that was perfect of what kind of suited uh, him and I, like where, as you know, we both are runners, both went to the same university, had the same major, and I just thought there was a lot of similarities between him and I. Um, and yeah, I just I just liked it. It just sounded great. I liked it and uh, didn't really think too much about it. Just kind of went with it. So when the ad came up and, uh, you know, we're doing these all these different shoots with like, you know, shirt on, shirt off, <laughs> yeah. different shorts, whatever. And uh, they're like, I think they obviously they really like the tattoo and they like the look and um yeah, they decided to pull the trigger on that one. So, what other tattoos were in the running when you were considering like father, <laughs> like son? Uh, you know, current girlfriend's middle name. Right. Um, <laughs> all these, yeah, good no. choice. Good, good choice. 
No, uh, that that one with my dad. There was like a there's a quote from a Bronx Tale, which is uh, one of our favorite movies. Um, also, Gladiator is kind of like another movie where I remember it was the first movie you brought me to uh, the movie theater to see, and it was I was really young at the time. I think it came out in 2000. Or something like that, and uh, so I was only 10, 11 years old. Yeah, but we were all way back. We were yeah. all young way back then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was you know other things with like had to do with um, didn't really have to do didn't necessarily have to do with running. You know, just just something to um, obviously we have a really good relationship, and uh, you know I just thought uh, you know it's not his type. He told me that right away. You know that's not his taste. You know in terms of you know he didn't want to. He's not a tattoo guy. He doesn't right. need tattoos to kind of represent, you know, a bond or a relationship. But I think today's generation, you know, you see a lot of people with tattoos. And I, I like the the art and I like it. And uh, something that I could cover up easily if I wanted to. And, yeah. There's no question he's proud of it, though. I remember when I talked to Coach about uh, the tattoo and he tried to act mad, but he, he wasn't mad. Uh, he said yeah, a he, card would do. Yeah. That's what he told us. <laughs> yeah. He, like... He was like, he couldn't believe it, and then he was like, "Send me a picture of it." And then he made yeah. me send a picture like every other day. Like he was like, "I'm with someone. Send send him the pictures. Send, show him this." <laughs> and uh, I remember where was I? Um, I was at like you know I'll go to the go to the bar with him, or we'll go out after a race or something, and he'll be like, "Raise your shirt up, show us something." Yeah. You know, like he always tell every other father, like, "Does your son love you like that?" You know, so yeah, it's, exactly. it's kind of a joke, like you know that. You have the only way you know the kid loves your father, loves your parent, is you have to have a tattoo like that. You know. Yeah, so we just joke about it all the time. But, yeah, it's uh, It is something it's he's, fun. he's proud of. Um, all right, so 2011, you obviously burst on the scene winning the U.S. championships, and really you were on fire at that point. Talk to us about that moment. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, obviously a breakthrough year for me, and it really set me up for um, the last four years, really, you know, from 2011 uh, going into the Olympics and uh, – it, allowing me to to continue running as a career after college, um, and I credit it all to really just staying healthy. Um, I had battled some pretty disappointing injuries. It was really just bad timing. They weren't like, you know, it wasn't like any broken like you nodulovicular, know, or I didn't have to get surgery on them. But it was just these metatarsals that uh, came up year after year. Um, the two years before that, and it was right around NCAA time in USA's, um, and so I had to pull the plug on either um, one or the other, and uh, and finally, going into my fourth year, I was able to piece together just 365 days of um, good health, um, good training, you know, and uh, and that I think is why I was able to have just this kind of big jump on the the national level um, and and world level. So, yeah, just kind of was just this nice momentum just build up um, throughout the whole outdoor season, you know, after one race after the other. Um, just kept kind of winning races. Started out with a with a dual meet, um, leading into like a bigger invitational to to pack twelves to regionals, and then um, ultimately the big goal of the season was just getting an NCAA title. Um, and as soon as I won that NCAA title with my dad and uncle in the stands, it was kind of like this big monkey jumping off my back. You know, it was just like kind of it wasn't more excitement as it was more relief. You know, there's so much pressure um, going into that race that. It was like a, just a big sigh of relief that I was like, "This is what I've you know been trying to do the last few years, and now I go into these U.S. championships with no expectations, um, no pressure, and that I think allowed me to kind of even step it up another level, and uh, yeah, win my first U.S. title, which to this day is still like you know one of my favorite races for sure. Um, let me at this point let me let me throw this audio in there. Can I? Um... 
crowd lifted three guys from Oregon. So anyone with that green singlet now is hoping to get that same kind of lift to try and make this world championship team. McNamara just has been passed. Centrowitz and Lagat, and here's Weeding too, looming into third. They're approaching the home straightaway. Centrowitz leading Lagat. Weeding is the third. And now as they straighten for home, Lagat on the outside, moves to challenge, and goes stride for stride. Centrowitz gamely holding on. Those two battling to the wire, and it will be an Oregon victory as Lagat cannot catch Centrowitz. So we just heard the uh, the call from Tom Hammond, and you know, I think that probably a lot of people were expecting Lagarde or even Weeding, or you know, you were kind of a, a surprise winner there. Uh, yeah, you know, in uh, in everyone else's eyes, but uh, probably in my own. <laughs> um, I remember that race. Uh, one thing that still stuck to me to this day was. Um, I lived right across from this cafe, and um, the rounds, it went one round, rest day, in the final. And I remember after the round, um, on the rest day, I was sitting in this coffee shop that was right across the street from where I lived, and my dad and I were just sitting there, you know, talking about running, talking about life, you know, the normal stuff. And I remember him telling me that, you know, um, enjoy tomorrow's race because that's going to be the last time that you'll have a race with no pressure, no expectations, because he's like, I have a feeling after tomorrow, actually, he didn't say I have a feeling, he's like, after tomorrow, you know, you will be a different runner, and, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot more pressure on you, and so, um, this is pretty much your last, like, hurrah of being, like, an underdog, and and it's kind of funny how, like, you know, he called that out, and just saw that, um, you know, way before anyone else, or even myself, to be honest with you, so... I remember thinking to myself, like, what are you, you know, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> kind of like, I'm, there's going to be still pressure tomorrow. What do you, you know? At least I'm putting it on myself. But right. um, yeah, like my competitors and everyone's going to look at you differently after tomorrow. So you know, enjoy it. And and yeah, like I said, it was, it was a breakthrough race. Um, obviously, I had every intention of winning, not just you know qualifying, making that world team. But um, I think the type of race it was and the season I had had in terms of being put into every single championship type of race. You know, I had run um, all kinds of different races that year. You know, I've been tested at different points of each each race, and I was just so seasoned for anything. And I think that's why I was, uh, yeah, ready for um, Bernard Legat and uh, all the other top Americans. So you make the Daegu team. I mean, had you even – you'd probably done some, some races in Europe at this point, but – you know, this is your first world championship team. There was no pressure at the U.S. championships. So there's obviously no pressure, no expectations going into Daegu, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, this is kind of funny to talk about right now, but right after that race, I think it might have been the next day. So the day after the race, my dad and I are walking around outside the track before we went to go watch the final day of um, USA's. And he was entertaining the idea of bringing up to the coaches not to go to Daegu at all. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you'll admit it today, but he was saying, um, he was like, look, you know, right now, you know, it's end of June. You've locked in a great year in terms of you finally got the college season down. You know what I mean? Like you've been able to win NCAAs. You know, your timing was good. The peaking's great. And he was worried that – because quite frankly, we weren't even thinking about going professional. You know, we're, we're already thinking about the fifth year and coming back to Oregon. And he was thinking that if I had – in that year, Daegu was really late. It was September 3rd, mm-hmm. I believe, was the final. 
So that means no summer base. That means you know I'm going to be going back to college right after Daegu. Um, school's going to be starting up shortly after that. So he was kind of worried about me just getting out of the the system I was already kind of locked in and been doing not only just the past four years, but you know even in high school. You know, season ends in June. You do your summer training and then you get back to, to school and, and fall base. And so he was just kind of worried that, yeah, that would throw me off by training for another two months of track, you know, maybe getting hurt again, going to Daegu, being disappointed, and then just being behind all year long. And so he was, you know, thinking like maybe we just skip Daegu. And, but not that he, I guess, just because he brings it up doesn't mean that's how he felt. He was just kind of throwing it out there like how does it sound out Exploring loud. Exploring the options. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I was ready – my mindset was no that's not an option you know what i mean like this is a great opportunity whether i had no cross country that was the main thing like i right. was going back for my fifth year all i had was indoor and outdoor so i could do my base during the indoor se- or during the fall during the cross country season without any races not feeling i have to catch up and uh so that we, we that was thrown out the window quickly but it's just kind of funny to laugh that you know he was yeah he definitely thought that it could have been a possibility that we don't do daegu and we just kind of keep going so long story short, it was a great summer. Um, I trained half the summer with uh, my dad on the East Coast and did the Newport running camp, which is now the American running camp. Um, and then I came back for my last few weeks of um, Daegu preparations in Eugene. Had even Bill Dillinger come out, time and workout, which was really neat. And uh, got me going and excited for uh, yeah some racing, which I flew over. Flew over four and just took it one round at a time. Yeah, um, and then so there's two two there's a you know a, a preliminary round then a semifinals round then you make the final. Yeah, which you know no one thought you'd be this able is, to do. For the listener, this is at the World Championships. This is at the World Championships. Yeah. He's a senior in college, 21 years old. No one you know at that level knows really who you are. Sure. And yeah, take us through the final. Yeah, I think you know. If that race would have been closer to USA's, I think a lot of more people would have had more faith in me. But coming off a long year and then having to wait another two months until another championship race, you know, it was kind of like, how much could I keep going? And I was excited to be there. You know, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was burnt out whatsoever. Yeah, because you raced, I mean, NCAA's in June. Yeah. And then you're running a final in September. Yeah. That's a long time. So, you know, it was great because uh, Andy Powell came out there, even though, you know, he might have not thought I was going to go past the first round, which is another funny story (laughs) I have. Um, But first round, it it was kind of like, you know, the mission down there in my eyes was to make the final. You know, it wasn't to medal, it wasn't to to do whatever, but it would have been a disappointment if I didn't make the semi. And so that that's kind of like the, the mindset for everyone, I think. And so once I made that semi, which um, first round is always the hardest for me, um, it was kind of like, okay, this is good. You know, I, this is, it wasn't a total failure, you know. And then <laughs> after I made this, after I made the final, when I won the semifinal, I remember thinking, and I don't know why I had this in my mind, but I think some of... Um, my coach's Andy Powell's like words and the way he was like the mannerisms and I was just feeling the vibe that he had booked his ticket after the semi to go home because I don't <laughs> think he you know had it. The first thing I said to him after the semi was like, "You booked your ticket, didn't you? Like you were leaving." He's like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "You thought I was gonna make the final and you're about to leave." He's like, "No, of course not. No, no, no this is like, I'm like whether he did or not." To oh, this he day, he had a thousand dollar change fee. He's <laughs> sure, that's what sure. I'm too. That's from exactly Daegu what I'm back to Oregon. We Come brought on. it up this year actually too, so it's, it's yeah. still an ongoing uh, debate. debate. And nice. so, um, so I make the final, and I mean, after winning the semi, I mean, my confidence is through the roof. You know, um, I'm thinking this is anyone's race now. We're all in the finals. Um, as long as I continue racing the way I have been all year, where 
I'm not intimidated by these guys, and I just put myself in a good position to win. That um, you know anything is possible, and so yeah, I mean it was a. I mean, coming across that line, I still had to double check and <laughs> make sure that I was before I celebrated a bronze medal that I was actually top three. You know, and it was it was surreal. So. Um, yeah, we'll tweet out the picture of. There is a great picture of him. Just uh, you look like in shock. Yeah, I mean, really. After with both yeah. arms up. There's there's two where I have like my hands yeah. up, like I'm like looking around, like like yeah. looking, and then there's another one where I have three fingers up too. Yeah, like looking at Kiprup, being like, I'm third, man. I'm third. <laughs> like I don't care. You're first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. So yeah, it was, all right. We'll uh, was, we'll tweet out both those pictures at Pace the Nation. Yeah, it was. I mean, it probably took a second to, for you to look at the scoreboard just to make sure. No doubt. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was late after the race. I remember because um, it was the final day of the world championships, and normally they did the medal ceremony the next day. So right after the race, they kind of hurried us over to uh, get our our uniforms on or our medal podium uniforms on and um, line us up to go to the the podium. And I'm sitting there, I'm just pumped, and I'm looking at Kip Rupp and Kip again. I'm like, hey guys, like you know, because I knew they're the same age as me, you know, 21, and I was like. We going out tonight, you know, what are we doing? And they all chuckled like Kip Rupp's, We're married, man. No. I was, like, I was like, all right, cool, nice. And so celebrated with some Korean barbecue with the, the USA team and uh, Andy, so it was fun. So you uh you know, come back from there, you still have a couple seasons of eligibility. Did you take those seasons of eligibility and run for Oregon that uh winter and spring? No, I did not. Yeah. I uh it was it was yeah it was a hard decision you know yeah talk and, about that decision I mean that must have been really tough yeah well, he, he was about to talk about it. oh sorry yeah, yeah, yeah let me talk about it like, yeah, Farley, come on a let chance. me talk about it yeah, can I talk about a chance it? here sorry I thought I was the one being interviewed <laughs> <My bad. laughs> so uh, yeah no I, I came away from uh, world championships and it was literally just kind of going back and forth each week. Um, between Andy Powell did a really good job of kind of stepping out of that decision making process and just said, you know, it's it's your career, you know, you do obviously we'd love to have you back um at the University of Oregon, but whatever you decide, you know, we'll back you fully and uh yeah, my dad and I just kind of went back and forth a lot. Um one week he was like, you know, it's great. I think you should go back to Oregon, finish it up. And then the next week it was like, no, 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 you're ready for, you know, you're ready for professional um life. And so finally in November I I signed a um, Ricky Sims is my agent and, and signed a deal January one with Nike and um, yeah it was it was it was a tough year and looking back I'm very happy that I went with uh, the professional route because I had a just an absolute um, random injury that year where it was in April I just nicked my knee on a table on a chair sorry and it just kind of inflamed some plica bands in my knee. And I couldn't run like more than a mile or two without my knee just throbbing and. And this, um, this is an Olympic year too, right? This is Olympic year, yeah. Two thousand twelve. So correct. And so I was found. <laughs> I was sitting there with literally several weeks of trying this, trying that, and uh, finally we decided that we we're going to do surgery. Which obviously we wouldn't have gone the surgery route if it, knowing that it wasn't a um, knowing that it was a minor surgery and that uh, Joan Bonoy actually had the same one the year that she won the marathon trials and she had it I think 10 days before her her race that I was reading up on or something crazy like that so we got it done in April end of April or something and uh, I had yeah let's just say I had no time really to uh, I'm happy that the 1500 is the last event at the trials because every day mattered at that point and um, the rounds helped as well I was able to sharpen up through the first two rounds and ready to go by the final so so when you when you leave uh, or when you don't run for Oregon 
does that necessarily when you sign with Nike, does that mean you leave Andy? Andy was your coach. Andy Powell was your coach, and then you have to select a Nike coach, or how's that process work? So when I signed with Nike, um, I I knew that ultimately that Andy Powell was a college coach first, and that if he was going to coach any post collegians, they were going to take a back seat, which obviously makes sense. And uh, as coming from where I was, my standpoint was my view is that I needed a coach that was going to be fully invested in myself and. Um, I had to be like the first priority, you know, and, uh, and that's what I wanted. So I thought that the post-collegiate coaches that I were looking at, um, obviously my father being one, but Alberto um, I had great interest in. Um, the Oregon Project was, you know, in my eyes, the most elite group in the world, um, being able to train alongside the best of the best, kind of like we mentioned earlier with the uh, University of Oregon, you know, getting put into a program where you aren't the best guy and, you know, kind of working your way up was the way I found for me to be the most successful, and I uh, once I signed with Nike, I you know spoke with Alberto. He was happy um, for me to join his group, but we decided to wait till after the after the Olympics to have me transition fully to his group. Mm-hmm. And Andy that Andy would still write my workouts, and any workouts he couldn't be there, and the races Alberto would step in. So it was a great transition that year of 2012, where. I had half Alberto, half Andy. You know, they were kind of talking workouts with each other. You know, if Andy wasn't there, Alberto was, and vice versa. So um, then after the Olympics, you know, I parted ways with Andy, um, who you know I have still a great relationship with, and and follow um, him and, and the team intently. And so uh, yeah, it's been a great dynamic. So you were you were talking about you were talking about the the, the trials and how every single day mattered because your knee injury. Um, yeah, take us through through that because this is you know the stakes are higher now. You medaled at the World Championships the year before. You have a knee injury, and now the expectations are higher. You've signed this professional contract. Was all that weighing pretty heavily on you? Oh, big time. I mean, I think after someone has a great year, a breakout year, there's going to be like a kind of like a, a down period or like some, maybe like a. A subpar year to follow you know it's hard to kind of duplicate and you know I had a good indoor season I finished like sixth or seventh at the world indoor championships um I was kind of setting myself up nicely for um the outdoor season and when I nicked my when I nicked my knee I was like this is uh, this is not happening you know like this is this is what happens to to people that you know that are doing the wrong things you know like yeah making up your your training like a madman because right. it's Olympic year, you know, and, and this was just a, an unfortunate random injury, and um, I'd rather have me hurt my knee doing something stupid, you know, like playing basketball or, <laughs> you know, paintball or I don't know, anything, but just minding my own business, walking out the door for dinner, you know, and so, um, yeah, there was, and there was pressure too after, you know, meddling the year before that, you know, could I medal again or could I, you know, even just make the Olympic team because I hadn't, and so I was... Yeah, I was kind of worried that, you know, if I didn't make this team, you know, people that didn't know about my injury or that weren't aware of what I was going through was just kind of like, oh, you know, it was a fluke year. It was kind of like, uh, you know, whatever, you know, all the million things that were kind of going through your head that you didn't want to happen. Yeah, and the reality of it is that the world championships are great, but it's really the Olympics that matter. Yeah. And people don't necessarily give you a pass just because you had a knee injury. No. So, I mean, the stakes are stakes are high. You make the uh, the Olympic trials final, uh, and then talk talk to us about that race. I mean, that was yeah, it was nerve wracking. I mean, it was um, 
the the stadium was packed um you know being at your home track everyone's supporting you behind you and so that's even a little bit more added pressure family's in town best friends are there and i mean this is what everyone trains for you know i mean Anytime you have a bad race, right, um, whether it be the U.S. championships on a normal year or even just uh, the pre-class, whatever, it's kind of like, well, at least it's not the Olympics or at least it's not the Olympic trials. Right. But this is the Olympic trials. Right. So there is no like, well, you can get them next time, you know, or at least like get ready for the Olympics or the Olympic trials. So this was this was a do or die kind of thing. And um, I just decided to go into it and running my own race. You know, I didn't – I wasn't going to sit around and uh, let it – dawdle for a while because I knew that I was so far behind in terms of these other guys and missed all that training that I might not have been the best kicker in that race. And that being said, um, my best strategy that race was to kind of draw it out a little bit and make it more of an honest race. And luckily for me, um, Jordan McNamara and Will Lear both needed the standard and to qualify for that team. And so they, they pushed the pace early on. It was just fast enough that um, kind of put the sting in some people's legs, and I took the took the lead with the bell, 400 to go, and just kind of didn't look back. Um, unfortunately, got nipped by uh, Leo the last uh, few meters, but you know I was just happy enough to make that my first Olympic team. And although I was bummed I didn't win, you know on that day first was as good as third because um, we all had now a shot at um, going on to a medal at the Olympics. So you say medal at the Olympics, which is you know kind of what's expected, I would guess. Uh, from you know sponsors, or is it expected? I mean, does Nike really expect you guys to to compete for medals uh, at the Olympic Games? Absolutely. I mean, I can't speak on behalf of uh, everyone else, but you know, when I signed the contract with Nike and um, I had medaled in 2011, I mean, I'm sure they didn't want me to <laughs> regress. Right. And that being said, you know, they they wanted. Uh, <laughs> another medal more medals and and i wanted that in myself not just you know obviously um your sponsor wants it but i wanted it more um and that's what i expected out of myself and i let them know that when uh when i was negotiating my contract you know i let them know that um i was serious about you know the my training my running that now that i'm signing a contract i'm not just happy to sign a contract and be complacent with what i've already achieved you know that i want to go on and do bigger and better things but yeah, you look at history though. It, it, like back to your and when your dad was running and the you know the seventy six games and boycotted obviously in eighty, that was a time where a U.S. athlete winning a fifteen hundred meter medal would have been, you know, n- not expected but not totally a surprise. There but was there was, a, there was really, a history of, of yeah, U.S. Was, um, but there was thirty. I mean, I would say it's twenty to thirty years. Of really just average uh, of an American uh, medal drought in the fifteen hundred. Yeah, and so now, I mean, th- there is a different level level of expectation. Yeah, I think um, all it takes is one guy, you know, to to do it and show the other um, other guys that look, this is possible. You know, that we, you know, just because we aren't, you know, from one of the African countries, or just because. Um, we grew up in the collegiate system that we can't meddle. And um, I think everyone's seeing that now with, you know, this past world championship, three guys qualified for the final. And uh, it's now if you make this team, you're a medal contender. You know, it's not um, it's not about let's see if we can make the final. Let's see if now that you made the Olympics, it's, you know, hurrah, let's go party. It's It's like now what can you do at these global championships? And we're all pushing each other, you know, like um, – 
now that Leo's got a silver, you know, it makes me want to get an Olympic medal as well and vice versa, you know, and, uh, um, yeah. The bar is it, raised. It's been great. So, Docs and I went to London. We appreciate your dad gave us some of your passes to get into all these, like... I didn't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, really was, uh, taking those away. I, I didn't know about that either, to yeah. be honest. Well, I but, mean... Uh, I would appreciate the hookup in Brazil. We, we, I mean, yeah. we had, uh, you know, we had, uh, we, had, we had opportunities to go into these, you know, athlete... Uh, I thought he was with us. Hospitalities yeah. places. I thought, and, I thought Matthew was with us. No, he... When we went to those places. Well, he, his race was so late... Oh, at, yeah. and in London that you really didn't get a chance to enjoy it like we did. So thank you for that. I, oh, I never yeah. really, really no problem. thank you. But uh, they need to switch swimming and track and field. They really is what do. they need yeah, to do. Yeah, swimming was early, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, but yeah, talk to, about, talk to us about the Olympic experience. Oh, man, I remember immediately um, the first day or two I was there, I said to myself, and I never say this because I'm always like, you know, wanting, uh, putting a lot of pressure on myself and wanting to, you know, do great but i was like you know if i came and walked away without a medal i was like this is still a great life-changing experience and uh and i and i stick with i you know stood by that after i got fourth you know it was one of those things where it's not just you're not just around great you know runners you're now mixed in with the nba players you're now mixed in with you see serena williams you know like walking by you during the cat in the cafeteria you know you see ryan lochte michael phelps all these you know just um, There's a picture of you and Kevin Durant. Yeah, KD. Yeah, yeah. my boy. Yeah, your, your buddy. Yeah. yeah, you know, Lo- local boys done good, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it was just it was a really cool thing to be a part of, and it, it's history, you know. And uh, no one can ever take that away from you. And my dad always says this to his day. There's no such thing as former Olympian. You know, you're, you're an Olympian. You know, it's not uh, a former or past or present or whatever. It's you know, once you're an Olympian, you're an Olympian for life, you know, and uh, it was just a really, really cool thing. And uh, I mean, after a way, I mean, I was just thinking I wish all my friends and family could experience this because it was literally a life changing um, event. So you alluded to you be, you coming in fourth in the final. Leo was uh, the silver medalist. We call uh, these spoiler alerts. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've we've talked, a, we've we've talked spoilers. about it. We've talked about it. But yeah. was that. I mean, fourth at the Olympics is incredible, but was it disappointing? Yeah, for sure, because it was. I was fourth by like four tenths yeah. of a second. So, can can you talk about the race? Yeah, um, like talk us through sure. talk us through each lap. Um, yeah, the first couple laps were a blur. Um, it was really just me getting out like I normally do, and I put myself in, in a in a great position. I was in the top third all the way through. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was always within the leaders throughout the first three laps and come the bell, um, you know, a lot of jostling going on. And as soon as we hit the 300 to go mark, I just remember like I couldn't see Mech Luffy because I don't think I was right up on him, but I was close enough where everyone around me was just like all out. It was just like, boom, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like pick up the pace, pick up the pace, pick up the pace, he's 100. It went from like, you know, pick up the pace before 400 to go to like, okay, you're dead out sprinting now. And if you aren't, you're like in the back. And yeah, it was just people were going by me on the right. Some people were like, I was passing on the left. And I remember just trying to like stay composed, you know, because I remember the year before um, at these global championships that some guys go for go from broke and that they will come back to you. Um, if you, you know, you know, you stay strong and you, you know, stay to it and don't kind of get down on yourself. And then that's all I was doing. I was just thinking like, 
even though I'm not in the position I want, even though I'm not close to the leaders, I was like, just keep fighting, you know, like try picking up the next guy, look up. And that was kind of the mindset, the, the next, you know, 200, 250 meters. And then I started kind of running out of real estate when Leo went by me with about 50 to go. And that kind of took the sail out of my wind, or the wind out of my sails because uh, I was like passing people, gaining momentum. And then as soon as he went by me, like, you don't want anyone going by in the last 100, you know, whether right. it be, you know, your own uh, teammate or a, a competitor, or whatever. Um, you're just, you know, trying to, to keep catching guys. And, you know, you're like, all right, fourth, third, so, you know, and then I just got plus one there. And I was like, shoot. When, like, when he passed you, you were in third. So he passed you for third, right? He passed me. I think so. I was. I think I might have been in fourth. That's what I think. I was in fourth. I think I was in fourth, and I was gaining on third, and I was feeling right. good about third, whoever it was. And then he passed me, and then I went back one, and I did catch the guy that I was feeling good about third. So then I went back into fourth, mm-hmm. um, and then I was like Iguita who got third, and I lost by four tenths. He was a guy that like I just got, or I just really caught up to the last few steps. He wasn't really close to me, so. It was it was one of those things where like you knew you weren't going to get it, but you're still trying to fight and lean and you know it was just yeah it was it, I mean it all happened so fast too you know um, that was still to this day the fastest race not not in terms of like time wise but how fast it went by um, it was all a blur it was just yeah it was I know for and for a final I mean I, I was looking at some of your times you know for a final to run three thirty five especially the way you guys did it was super fast yeah that that year too my pr was only 334 and i had run that i run a few tenths slower 334.9 in the semi um which you know in my head i was like okay now a i'm ready to pr after this you know after this uh, olympics in a fast race but b i was like shoot that was almost an all-out effort for me you know i mean <laughs> that was that was a fast time you know most most tactical races that year or even you know the year before were all like 336 or slower so yeah, so did that race, you know, it, you did say it took the wind out of your sails a little bit, but did it motivate you? Definitely. Um, I was happy to have that kind of race, to be honest with you, uh, that semifinal. You're talking about semi or the final? The final, semi? yeah. Oh, yeah, the even final. the final did, yeah. yeah. I mean, I came away from it, and I was like, you know, like, um, I'm super bummed, no doubt, but I'm in the best shape of my life. Being able to do what I did off of you know, missing six weeks and having surgery and not even knowing that I might be in this position that I'm in. Um, I was like, the best thing I got to do, it's done. You know, I got to move on. There's still some races to be run and it's going to give me confidence in the future that, you know, imagine what if I can get, if I get a healthy full outdoor season or even a full year under my belt, um, I can, I can compete with these guys. And, and the main thing too was the year before I got third at the world champs. So this was just kind of validating that I did belong with these guys and that I was a medical contender um, both times, and it wasn't a fluke, you know, and that was kind of, it was nice to prove that. So you did get a chance for redemption in 2013. Uh, you had a world championships uh, that year in Moscow. So was your was it smooth sailing? Because you really performed well there. Was it smooth sailing the year after the Olympics? It was not smooth sailing. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, had an up and down year, to say the least. And going into the world championships, my confidence was at like an all-time low. Um, I had dropped out in a race earlier that summer. I had finished close to last place in another in another race, and uh, my season best was only 3:33, where as my PR was 3:31. So 
I wasn't feeling too confident, to be honest with you, going into the World Champs. Um, but I just kind of used each round like I did in 2011 and gained confidence throughout the rounds. You know, first round was the hardest, as always, um, barely qualified. And by the semi, I ran 335, finishing second and just shutting it down like the last 50 meters. And I, I beat a lot of guys in that semi, and I felt really, really good too. Um, and literally came away from that raid, that semifinal, being like, you know what, I'm back in this, uh, not only in this medal contention, but I'm, I think I can win this, you know, and I truly believe that, and I tried to put myself in the best position to do that again, and obviously, Kiprop was the class of the field that year, um, with 100 meters to go, the whole pack was there, and he just put a whole, like, half a second on the field, and so yeah. during that, so during that whole experience, you know, your dad was, made the 80 team, and we've uh, talked to... Matthew's dad. What what number of podcast was that? Seven on seven. He mm-hmm. talked about him not going to Russia, uh, you know, and and not having the chance to compete there. But you did. Was it sort of gratifying or some redemption for for your family being to able to compete there? Yeah, it was. It's funny because, um, like I said, I had such a bad summer that my dad had already planned on going to Moscow. Oh, did he and, tell you not to do it again? He <laughs> tends to do this in World Championship years. Yeah, it sounds well, like. no, this year I told him not to. <laughs> yeah, but oh, okay. He uh, he didn't go because you know he didn't want to say this, but he's like, I'm not going to waste my time to watch you get knocked out in the first round, you know. And uh, but his uh, one of his best friends, um, uh, his name is uh, jo- we call him JoJo. He came out with his wife, um, and I remember the quote was, you know, after between the first round and second round, he's like, I've never seen someone look completely different like you know i was look i was just barely hanging on in the first round and by the second round i look like now like a favorite to win and he never seen someone do such a 180 like that and uh yeah i just found it was a new level of confidence between that race it's kind of crazy what a couple days can do and i uh i joke about it with him now like you know i can't believe you had no confidence in me you should have came out but since i meddled at that world championships and the 2011 when he both didn't come out he was talking about coming out for Beijing. I was like, no, you, you can't come out. <laughs> yeah. The time you came out was in Olympics, and I didn't get a medal. <laughs> right. So I was like, I'm superstitious, man. You yeah. know, what are you going to do? You can't come out here. And so I think, you know, luckily he's as superstitious as me because he probably believed that as well, and he didn't come out. <laughs> but truth be told now, I guess it really doesn't matter. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, uh, you did end up in second. It was Kip Rock who uh, won that race, and, and you were – uh, you know, a, a, we're talking 2013. I'm sorry, else. back to 2013. So you were second uh, in that in that in that race there. So now you've got you know yourself a silver oh. and a bronze. Yeah, bronze and a silver. Where do you keep them? Or yeah. or do you not want to say that? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's it's in my house, but it's not. Yeah, they're they're hung up. I don't know. Like uh, I just uh, I guess a I really haven't found a good good way to put them up like frame them or something and, and a I w- b i wouldn't know where to put them but um i don't know i, I don't really like show too much of my uh my achievements up i'm just kind of like uh yeah right away, like my father coming from the guy who would take dates to a billboard yeah well that I was back in college <laughs> i'm think... mature now you know uh, yeah, I, okay. I go for more the mature women now that you know billboards don't do gotcha. it for them anymore gotcha. right <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I think he was doing. I think he was joking. Maybe he wasn't joking about taking him to the billboard. I thought he was. You'll so. have to ask my exes. Yeah, right, we'll track those down for episode Tweet thirty. Us at, at yeah. Pace the Nation. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, if 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 Did you were an ex, ever take you to the billboard, we will definitely interview you for this program. <laughs> if you're one of his exes, tweet us and I'm we sure will track you down. Love to come on here. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell you how it is. Well, two thousand. So two thousand. That takes us up to uh, two thousand fifteen. Uh, you PR'd this year, man, and that's awesome. 3.30, uh, but Beijing probably a bit of a disappointment, even though your dad didn't go. Yeah, I know. What, what is that? Uh, yeah. Maybe it's my mom. Yeah. She came, and she was in mm. 2012. But no, yeah, this year was kind of like, in a way, the opposite of uh, 2013, where mm. I had a much more consistent um, season throughout the year. My confidence was great going into Beijing. I was healthy. I had no excuses. And I kind of fell short, so to speak, whereas 13, it was, you know, like I said, the opposite. I kind of went into the championship season um, with an inconsistent season. So maybe I need to run crappier races throughout the season <laughs> right. for me to, to medal. But, no, it was um, a lot of good things to take away this year, a lot of positives. Um, and honestly, like it, like I've said this before, and it wasn't – obviously it wasn't my best race in uh, – in the 2015 final this year, in the Beijing final, but at the same time, it wasn't it wasn't my worst either. No. It wasn't it wasn't a bad race at all. Um, to say that I should have medaled is just a um, an ignorant thing to say because yeah. those guys this year were um, firing on all. Like I've never seen you know so, like a race like that, including the Olympics, um, where all of those guys were just on their A game. You know they were. A, sub, a slew of sub-330 guys that, you know, were just duking it out. Um, and I just wasn't – I don't think – I think a mix of it, I just wasn't ready. I wasn't just, you know, fast enough. I wasn't strong enough to, to run that type of race by the third round in four days. And everyone that was ahead of me had faster PRs than me, and I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, I need to continue to lower my PR as great as 330 is and as happy as I am with it. Um, it's simply not good enough right now. And uh, yeah, you know, I, a lot of like I said though, a lot of good positives. You know, I'm progressing to where ultimately I want to be, and I uh, just got to keep working hard. So we sit here in October. It's uh, going to be an Olympic year in no time here. Uh, so Don't tell me that less than I'm not less ready. than a year. So where are you now with your running? Oh, if I run, <laughs> that'd be great. No, I mean I had a, I had a great mentally and physical break. Um, uh, I'm just kind of getting back into the swing of things now. It's been a month since my last race of Fifth Ave Mile, and uh, yeah, I got a, I got a little tempo today with my best friend Chris out on. I don't know where he's going to take me, but I told him somewhere <laughs> flat. But it's a beautiful day here in DC. I'm excited to get back to work. Um, I'm a little out of shape, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of slowly getting back into the swing of things, and uh, I'm refreshed and excited about the upcoming year. All right, let's talk a little um, off the track here with uh, with Matthew. Are you want me to do, do my segment? Yeah, or you can. <laughs> we have Although a, we already have, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we we have a segment called William Docs Ask Matthew Centrowitz Ten Questions, and this is the first time that we've had the opportunity to pull it off. Yeah, so let's saddle in here. So nice. going back to college track days, the week after final exams and leading up to what they now call regionals for track. These days were spent running in the morning, then playing video games until the sun came down, then heading out to tend to our social responsibilities. 
Um, mad props to you for figuring out how to turn this week into a career. My question is, is it as great as I think it is? It's it's better. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's I enjoy everything, you know, all, everything that I do. Um, I enjoy the position I'm in. Um, very grateful for uh, you know the opportunity Nike's giving me and be able to do what I what I love to do as a career. But at the same time, you know, I continue to to do what I enjoy, which is video games. And <laughs> um, as Chris knows, as standing next to me, you know, we we don't cut it out for anything. You know, we we continue doing it. Um, came back from a bachelor party that had video games as the uh, the pinnacle of the trip. Nice. Um, and so yeah, um, now that I'm just now that I'm professional and that I have a job, a real job. I don't. Uh, I don't cut them out. You know, that's good. They got me great, and I continue using them. <laughs> that's right. All right, Docs. What's your second question here? Uh, the best slice of New York pizza is obviously at the Bronx Pizza in Clarendon, Virginia. <laughs> right. Uh, have you? Can, that I, finish? What I, heard. can I finish? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. Have you found a place in Oregon that can uh, make a worthy slice, or is that something that you look forward to when you come back east? Oh man, not even close. I mean, that would be a. That's a slap in the face of any place that says they could make something like New York Slice. Um, you know, Oregon's great, has a lot of great food places, but pizza's not one of them, nor is bagels. And so um, I don't waste my time out there with, uh, with pizza. I wait for the real deal when I come back east. This doesn't count as question number three, but do you think that the fact that you can't find a decent slice of pizza out west is part of your reason for success? Absolutely not. I'd probably be running better. You'd be running better. Okay. Wow. Um, which women's field hockey team is better, the Netherlands or New Zealand? Mm, the Dutch. That's correct. Uh, what's your PR around the bus loop? What's the bus loop? Uh, well, it's what my it's a distance my nieces run. How long is it? I'll tell you. I don't know. I think uh, I think I remember clocking about a four thirteen there. It's kind of slow. I had, I had to stop for a light. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. that makes sense. Um, do you know Francis Warner Damon? Nope. Nope. Think, didn't she either she babysat for you guys or maybe your sister babysat for her up in Annapolis? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your dad Francis, knows Francis. Francis Warner. She went to UVA. Yeah. Okay. I think I think maybe your sister's one of your your older sister might have babysat for her then. Really? Yeah. Mm. Wow. I think I think yeah. you guys were neighbors up in Annapolis. Uh, if I saw the face, I probably remember. I'm bad with names. <laughs> Could be. Hopefully, um, I wasn't a bad kid. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're great. Um, <laughs> Doubt it. <laughs> This is uh, this was already spoiled, but I, I have to ask it anyway because I only have ten questions. But when you broke five minutes in the mile for the first time as a fifth grader, did you cross the finish line before enemy of the podcast, Tom McCarney? Uh, yes. Yes, he did. Um, follow up. Uh, can you wish McCarney a happy birthday? Happy birthday, McCarney. And and also we have to wish you a happy birthday. Oh yes, thank uh, you. I don't want to get older, but yes, twenty six coming up. It's inevitable. Yeah. What's the craziest thing that you've ever autographed? Cleavage. <laughs> Do you know where to get the best brats in Zurich? Mm, I do not, but concierge could help you out with that. Well, if the concierge doesn't tell you that it's by the opera house, they're wrong. Okay. Is that, is that right? Okay. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law went to uh, Severna Park High School. Oh, cool. What do you think of those jokers over there? Well, I dated a girl from there, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're preppy. Um, Bronick's always better, of course, but I do use their track. It's nice. Uh, they have nice facilities. Yeah. And it's actually closer to where I live than my high school. And I think I was told a few years before I moved there that where I lived would have 
had me go to uh, Savannah Park, I would have been in the Savannah Park district in uh, um, Broadneck. So they they gerrymandered the uh, districts after you left. They changed. What's the, gerrymandered? Uh, that's when you change the, uh, the school zone thing. Oh, okay. They, well, that's for politics. It's for okay. uh, determining which politicians. But yeah, they re rezoned. After you left, that's what you're saying? No, uh, they rezoned before I got in there. They knew I was going to move in there, and the Bronick did something where they just kind of... Kind of like Friday Night Lights. I've never seen that, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Where they, they have like the fake mailbox so the quarterback can play or something. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, maybe we might want to cut this out and get Bronick <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> they never yeah. did that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let that be told. Um, and then, obviously, favorite boy band of all time, current or past. Uh, like overall, I'd probably say InSync has better songs. But the thing is, like, I still listen to Backstreet Boys, The Call, more than uh, than like Bye 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 or anything like that. But they're better than Ninety Eight Degrees, better than any of that garbage today with you know One Direction and stuff like that. I, so. While he's obviously he is getting old, he's complaining about uh, today's music. <laughs> I yes. do want I do want to play this real quick. And what is it? It's from you from 2007. All right, hold on. Give no, this, this is what give, I think it is. Give this a listen here. <laughs> That's exactly what I think it is. Is there a way you go about I mean, before you go out on the track, do you, do you have some sort of a routine of a meditation, a way to relax yourself, a way to get pumped? Is there Kind of walk me through how that's going to be tonight for you. Um, well, usually I listen to my iPod, but I lost that. So uh, <laughs> I'll try to see if someone else has an iPod that has my kind of music on it and then just pretty much listen to my favorite songs and I get pumped up. You can borrow mine. I brought one. You got a uh, Annie Lennox in share. <laughs> and in the fall, so you're going to Annie going Lennox, to man, and share Annie and Lennox and share. Yeah. I, I assume you were kind of a jokester even in 2007 that doing was a bit there. You What's your warm up music? Comes to walking on broken glass. Walking on broken glass is great one. Is That's you? probably my favorite Annie Lennox song. Um, Share it's only believe. I mean that's nice. that was my top number one most played on top twenty five. Um, unfortunately, my new iPod does not have that song, so it's currently not on the top twenty five. But <laughs> it was. Did it you was. ever find that iPod? The one with the believe by share. Well, in the in the clip oh, the that we just yeah, played, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah, you found it. That's good. It yeah, is. It, it was. It is amazing. It is amazing what you can find on the internet about the, about Matthew. I mean, we look for. You know, days to find stuff about his dad, but uh, yeah, there is like hundreds of videos, your interviews, content like that. So sorry, hopefully that was different generation. Hopefully, I think my dad's happy. You can't find oh, stuff I'm, on him. I'm sure. I'm sure he is. Oh, do I get to ask some questions? Yeah, now? sorry, yeah, you could yeah, jump in at any time. It's a little. It's a little yeah, hard. Um, okay, well, I guess what favorite favorite pair of Nikes? My favorite Nikes. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a trick question a little bit because running shoe, I, I wear the pegs, but um, I like to kick around in the, the lunar glides. But the trick question is uh, it's going to be Jordan's, which is Yeah, like I wanted, I'm sorry. I should have specified. I wanted a Jordan number. Oh, there you go. Fours, yeah. no doubt. Fours. I like the nice. fours. Um, I, my beaters are the military fours, um, which is a like white and blue color scheme, and uh, they smell really bad because <laughs> it's – one of my oldest shoes that I've had, and uh, the one I wear the most. But I like how the many fools. how many pairs of Jordans do you have? It's a good question. I mean, are the I'm, are the Jordans on display in your house? No, not on display. No, okay. they're just they're literally all over. They're scattered all over there. As soon as you walk into the 
the entrance of my house, they're all over the floor there. They're, then you go up one level to the kitchen, and there's a few that are in the on the desk and around the you know the kitchen table and the the island piece. And then you go upstairs, and in my closet you have most of them. And then there's another closet in this uh, the guest bedroom that have another slew of Jordans. You could find some in the garage. They're just all over. You know, I just you just never know what's going to pop up. Way, way more there. way more prominently displayed than the than the uh, medals. Yeah, right. Um, oh yeah, I, yeah, I can't tell sure. you where my medals are, but I can tell you where the <laughs> Jordan Eleven lows are. Uh, <laughs> black and white model. <laughs> no, I have. Uh, I probably have, I'm in like around thirty. Yeah, thirty right. pairs. Okay, um, so you have more pairs of Jordans than years old that you are. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. And I'm gonna. That's good. Continue to make sure that I'm always ahead of that. <laughs> okay. It's good. Even though um, my age is getting. So we've talked a lot about or alluded to the fact that you're a video game guy. So Xbox Live or PlayStation? Oh, Xbox. Okay. It's all about the box. And what like what game are you playing right now? You know, Halo is kind of like uh, will always hold like a special place in, uh, in my heart because um, not only did I start playing that when I was in high school, but that's pretty much the game that me and my two best friends um, kind of really – I would you say grow together with um, we, we bonded over <laughs> Halo 3 at the time it might have been 2 even that's how old we are now but 3 just came out as our as we were freshmen in college and endless battles and 2v2s and team slayer matches were were won and lost um, in those dorms and so yeah yes and so I would say uh, Halo is still a game that we play to this day, but I'm starting to get into, like, you know, there's a Mortal Kombat game that got out. I even dabble with them, Call of Duty, as embarrassing as it sounds. Um, <laughs> and uh, what else? I don't play too many sports games just because uh, I kind of suck in them, but um, more shooting games and fighting games. Um, okay, so next question. What is your favorite candy, and what is the most that you've ever spent on a candy spree? Did somebody set you up to this question? No, not at all. Uh huh. I think um, maybe one of she's in contact <laughs> with one of his sisters. We just PR'd the other day, actually, with the candy run. Um, it was uh, one hundred and fifty dollars at a Seven Eleven, and there was about wow. four guys. Was there anything left in the Seven Eleven when you guys <laughs> no, left? Seriously. No, I went back there actually a couple weeks ago by myself, and the guy still remembered me as that crazy guy with his with his crew that came in and dropped one hundred and forty dollars on Slurpees and candy and ice cream. I mean, the deals that they have in there too. It's like you know they're so cheap. You know you could buy three for a price of one. It's just insane. Um, but favorite candy or three hundred for the price of one hundred. It sounds <laughs> yeah. like yeah. It's like asking me like, what's my favorite Jordan or what's a favorite movie? Now there's so many. There's so many different types. You know, first of all, you gotta split them up. There's the chocolate section and then you have the fruity section. When it comes to the chocolate section, I think it's the Twix and Reese cups. Okay. Um, right now, Twix is kind of the flavor of the month. You know, then you kind of burn out of it a little bit. Then you, you move on to like either Twix peanut butter ones or the Reese cups. Um, then with the fruity side, you know, I've been on this Mike and Ike kick for some time. Mike now. and Ike's? Mike and Ike's, are, it's, just, it's a kind of a classic. You know, it's something that you can't go wrong with. You know, you won't get old of them. Um, kind of like these, these uh, they were called Kazoozles, and now they're like these sweet tart ropes. I don't know if they, sweet tarts bought Kazoozles out or something or what, but it's kind of these straw, fruity, gummy, delicious, savory, sugary. Savory. Yes. Nice. <laughs> It sounds um, good, actually. And that's game. That's gamer food right there for you. You know, this is what gets us. You know, through four or five in the morning without really batting an eye. And if someone <laughs> says they're getting tired, you know, they're kind of scolded at and looked at as 
the weak link. A week, so yeah. You don't want to be that guy. You know, you, you have your energy drink, you have your Mountain Dew, you have your Arizona right next to you, ready to chug. Um, <laughs> this is this is what our listeners wouldn't have expected about you know one of the best runners in the world. But uh, hey, this I, is, well, you know, this time of year, especially, I'm training yeah. through. You know, yeah, you, you when I start to taper. And I'm not playing these video games and staying up till four in the morning and actually staying up till one. Do you know how great I'm feeling? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so those tempo That's times great. drop a full minute per mile. I'm not making this up. I <laughs> so, couldn't make this up. So going back to the the PR, um, $150. Yes, please. Was this was this Twix, Mike and Ike's? It was everything and anything. We had we stocked that fridge and freezer up. I mean, we what we do is you know you'll buy some of these chocolate like stuff like Twix and you throw it in the freezer right away. You know, a cold a frozen Twix bar is delicious. Yes. Um, we have the what are those cones? Um, those ice cream cones with like the the chocolate at the bottom of the cone. Um. I forgot what they're called. Uh, you also have uh, Snicker is it bars. A dumbbell. What the what's what's it? A dumbbell. No, it was. A, it, what are those drumsticks? Those drumsticks. drumsticks. Yes. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you have the drumsticks and you have the the Snicker ice cream bars. Mm-hmm. Now this is what I noticed. Although I like the Twix more than Snickers, I really don't like Snickers. The Snickers ice cream is better than the Twix ice cream. Is what That's I correct as well. And so <laughs> you get the Snickers ice cream, and Got then you load up on the dumb or the sorry the uh, the drumsticks, and then you also have those Hagen Dazs. Um, ice cream bars with like the crunchy on the outside and vanilla on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? Right. You um, can get them in a couple different flavors. You can get flavors. the Costco yeah. big box for a great deal, but we don't mess with Costco. You know, right. Those 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. Those convenience stores. We want to keep them up. Yeah. Costco, you need to get an ID. and Yeah, it's too yeah. much. You know, and, yeah. and the drive is so far. It's inconvenient. Come on, you know? Come on, Costco. And they close like at what, 10 o'clock? What happens when you're at 2 in the morning and you eat something? 7 Eleven to go to. That up for you. Right. You don't, want, you don't want your crew making fun of you for. That's what I'm saying. Not yeah. being stocked. You know? yeah. They come to my house, they expect that place to be stocked. I'm not letting them down. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you throw that in the, in the freezer. You have, okay, what else we have? Chris is a chip kid. You know, he loves the, the Cheetos, the Doritos, the, the things that. It's too messy on my fingers. You know, when I'm right. gaming, I don't have to keep wiping my fingers or I don't mm-hmm. want to, like, get the joysticks or the sticks kind of sticky, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious like that. Now, when, when, they, when, you're, when your boys come over to your house and they're playing on your system, do you, do you ban any of these kind of uh, cheese chips and stuff? No, you know, I have my own controller and uh, I let them do their thing on it, but I expect them to leave it the way it was left, you know, when uh-huh. they first got it. And shoes they do. on the tables and. I don't mind that as much, you know, the maids will Well, come I'm saying leave I'm it left. like they found it, which was shoes on the tables. Oh, shoes yeah. on the tables. Yeah. Ah, no, I'm. Uh, I'm classy. I keep the shoes on the, you know, they're left at the, uh, either downstairs on the floor or they're, they're kind of put away, you know. Um, I run a, yeah, I run a clean house, you know. But the candy, you know, spillage, all that stuff, that's a different story, you know. But shoes on the carpet, yeah, it's no, no. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, okay, so my other, my final question is... Oh, yeah, is, we're still on that one, yeah. yeah. I could go on this one all day, though. Yeah, so we're going to move on. Okay. Um, so <laughs> my right. my next question is about... I don't know anything about cars. Like, I don't own a car. I don't know anything about cars. But from what I understand, you have a nice car, right? Let us covet for one second. Yeah, what yeah, kind let's of car? Ta- talk about your car, because it shows up all the time in my Instagram, and, like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Let it be known, first of all, I know nothing about cars as well. Okay? <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and pretend. I don't even know how to change a flat tire. I don't know how to change oil. I don't know what the X pipe to the exhaust to the, you know, whatever. You can put gas in it pretty much. Well, I don't even yeah. need to. Oregon, they pump it for you. Well, you so, they like, do nice. <laughs> you and Farley could not talk about cars all yeah, day long. Basically, I'm yeah. the same boat. Um, but, you know, when I'm at home, um, 
I spend a lot of time driving around. You know, I'll take trips to, you know, whatever, to down to Eugene, up to Seattle for a game, a Seahawks game, whatever. So, I mean, I, I drive off a, quite a bit. And so um, I enjoyed having this car that I purchased, which was a Nissan GTR. Um, besides the look, which I really liked, it's ridiculously fast. You know, I test drove a few um, sports cars. Um, you know, with, by Audi, by BMW, by, you know, all the other fast cars that I that are in the same, I guess, classification as the car I got. And nothing came close to the one I bought. And I fell in love, really, as a, as I test drove it. And so, um, yeah, it's a Nissan GTR. It's 0 to 60 and 2.4, which I believe wow. it's got a thing, a, a setting on it called launch control where you put the three – these three little gadgets up in the air and uh, the red lights kind of go on. You put the left – or sorry. You put the left foot on the brake. You step down on the accelerator until it's over 4,000 RPMs and you just let go on the on the brake and it just kind of launches you out. Like it's literally like a roller coaster. And oh uh, yeah, God. your heart drops. Some people have had back adjustments in the, in the passenger <laughs> seat because their back just flies so fast back into the seat. Um, and it's fun. Yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's one thing I miss more than – Anything when I uh, when I go away for you know races or training camps and stuff, I always miss my car before my house. So, your dad's CRV doesn't get it done, or is that Chris's CRV? It's Chris's now, uh, yeah, but okay. Um, okay. But as yeah. long as Chris is in it, it gets it done. It gets it done. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's a cool car. I'm looking it up. All right. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. I, I did have one final thing. Yeah, I, I want to bring let's it. Not wrap this up. Let's yeah, keep it going. I know. No, I, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to, to bring it back to, to kind of running re- real quick here, and and then we'll go back to Kansas. No, no, no. We got to wrap it up. But yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he's got to get to this tra- this uh, tempo run. Uh, there was a really cool uh, piece on in the Washington Post with your dad and you in it, and there was a, a, a quote. Uh, from your dad that I wanted to play and then I wanted you to comment on. Well, you know, I mean, the pressure of being number one scares people. And I don't think that's that's not what's going on with Matthew right now. Now, it could change and no one knows the future. But if I personally see it, I just see a fearless, hungry, young athlete that just will get better and better. Certainly he's biased. <laughs> Yeah, but the pressure of being number one doesn't seem to really scare you, and that's really what I wanted to comment. I want you to comment on. Yeah, you know, actually, that's weird because I've actually never heard that quote from him or seen that um, that piece before. But you know, he makes um, a lot of a lot of good points in that quote, and um, I think I approach it more as exciting, you know, to be number one or, or striving to be number one more than. Um, then that's something where I'm uh, that I'm scared of, and I think as long as I'm excited about you know being there or um, getting there, I think I'll continue to to not let the pressure of all that number one talk and whatever you want to call it, U.S. champ or world champ or Olympic champ or whatever number one really means um, as something to prevent me from from being it. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. How can we find you on Twitter, Instagram? Uh, where are we going to be able to find you in those social media platforms? Unfortunately, I have all types of different handles, so it's not like one thing. <laughs> it's that hard covers to all. keep track. Um, but my uh, my Instagram is MG Centro. Mm-hmm. Um, my Twitter is at Matt Centrowitz. Uh, my Snapchat is MG Centro. 
Um, my Facebook is I think I have a fan page because I think I passed the limit now on uh, that's awesome how many friends I have on uh, my personal page but if you type my either Matt or Matthew in there you'll see one or the other um, and that's pretty much it I think well uh, that's a lot on there. so yeah. follow them on all platforms my, my kick is uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, MySpace too. I, I don't <laughs> even know what he's talking about at this point I do remember MySpace I do MySpace remember. yeah well that's two time World Championship medalist and Olympian Matt Sensuitz. Matt, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, let's get that record this week. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, that's Matt Sensuitz. This is Pace the Nation. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. guys and welcome back to the studio that was a good road trip good um, interview that was uh it, it it's seamless it's it's like we never left the studio i know, I know. well that's what we want to make it for the listeners again you're pulling uh, the curtain back you asked me not to call the pull the curtain back uh, earlier so in in reality uh i packed up all the equipment while you ran to a, a <laughs> meeting and and left us stranded yeah well i helped she, she, you were there. I was there. <laughs> yeah, well, the interview went a little longer than what I had planned for. That's okay. Which was good. I mean, mm-hmm. no doubt was really good. Ma- Matthew was, was awesome. I would say now that we have Matthew's resume out of the way, we should have him back just to talk. <laughs> I Generally? second that. Yeah, I second that. Yeah, he was a good guest. Yes. Um, Once we got him really going on his Seven Eleven run. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which I wanted to ask you, Joanna, how did you, you've got some inside sources there, obviously. Can you reveal your sources? How did you know about this? Like any good reporter, I can't <laughs> reveal my sources. Good, I mean, good girl, good girl. How, how could she even, uh, you, you know, come up with, how could you know about this candy obsession or candy run without? Good, I think it's a good job. And I yeah. think that that was uh, good stuff. Um, you're just surprised because you didn't see it on the Wikipedia feed yeah. that you were reading. I was just going straight Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe I am a little jealous. Uh, but no, I thought... It's, uh, it's not how much you talk, it's what you say. That's, yeah, that's true. And But I, I agree with you. Man, I, you're getting killed. Sorry. I would I would like him back as a, as a uh, regular guest. But. Well, I would say um, we're going to see how many downloads he got for this show. Right. And then we'll have him... Uh, and his competitive self, see if he can beat that record on, on his, his next, next next appearance. Or we can just rally our uh, listeners to harass him on Twitter and uh, ask him to come back, you know, maybe in a couple months or something like that. Mm-hmm. He, he can do a phone or something. Or like next that. week. Yeah, or whatever. Next week. <laughs> Either way. But no, I, I uh, very much appreciate uh, Matthew taking the time, his buddy Chris, was uh, there too patiently waiting patiently <laughs> waiting for us to to go through uh, his entire you know last fifteen years of running I think uh, well maybe he's I, I forget he's only twenty he'll be twenty six so maybe we talked about when last, he was in fifth grade dude maybe his last ten years or so uh, but really an impressive uh, obviously an impressive guy and 
uh, a great, great story. And hop he, off. He pretty much is. He's sort of local-ish. I mean, his dad coaches at at yeah. American University. Well, I first met him in D.C., so I'm going to consider him local. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's pretty cool to know that uh, a local type guy is, you know, running with the best in the world. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories of the many favorites uh, that I had that he just that he just talked about was him talking to the other other two competitors who were from Kenya <laughs> and asking them what they were doing. If they wanted to roll out that yeah. night. <laughs> they were in a little different place in their lives. Married, yeah. probably kids. Yeah. I mean, why weren't we at Worlds? That would have rolled I, out. I don't know. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. But, uh, yeah, so be, uh, you know, on, uh, you know, follow his career and, and hopefully he has a good build up to Rio because uh, as we mentioned, it's the Olympics are going to be here before you know it. Less than, you know, less than ten months away. I'm looking forward to uh, our show that we're going to tweet live from the Olympics. Live from the yeah. Olympics, yeah. Maybe we can have him back for that one. If, if <laughs> exactly, yeah. I I thought one of the interesting things uh, that he said about changing his approach to racing in his sophomore year in college. Uh, I was kind of wondering if if that's if that was a moment that made him such an excellent natural racer, uh, and especially when you're talking about championship racing, uh, he puts himself in the perfect position during the race. He's obviously got natural talent in uh, closing and everything like this, but you know he, he is such an excellent racer, and he said he had changed his approach uh, his sophomore year in, in, in college. I wonder if that had something to do with uh, what what made him race the way he races right. today. Right, and I, I wish we had followed up with a question. That, that well, I a wish really, we had, too. That's an excellent point uh, because, I, you know, we, we talked to Kerry Gallagher. What episode was that? Nine. Episode nine. And, you know, we talked about time trialing versus actual racing. And Matthew is a, you know, as good as there is when it comes down to a race without a rabbit uh, where you're lining up in a championship venue where they've got to go through preliminary rounds semis and finals yeah he is just a uh, he's he seems to always put himself in the right position and is always right there he always looks so comfortable too like when he was talking about how that last lap but i think at worlds was like all out right like other people look like they're running all out but matthew never looks that way to me he he always just looks like he's in his element yeah i i totally agree with that that's a gift yeah, we botched the interview. We had a lot of stuff. I know. Well, I talk uh, too much. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I don't know. But again, to your point, Docs, that's maybe the reason why we'll have to get him on again yeah. here in the not too distant future. Uh, he is uh, competitive, as you mentioned. He's looking to beat the record of downloads. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll know, see. Tell a friend. I've had a had a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, heavily downloaded episodes. That's very true. He's got to beat his dad first. Yeah. Well, one thing we didn't talk about, Docs, uh, that you and I, we were in London. And, I know. And That's like the 15th time you've mentioned it on the show. Like, yeah. I yeah. get it. Yeah. I wasn't I there. Like, you can, we were in London. You can come to Brazil with us. Okay. And we were able to, to hang out with uh, Coach and his son, Matthew, at the casino afterwards. After Matthew's final. After yeah. his final. I was, that was one of my other questions that I was going to ask him, but we quickly glossed yeah, over the whole Olympic wanna, thing. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I remember what we had for dinner. Because <laughs> yeah. we talked to Julie about her post-Olympic um, meal, and I wanted to ask Matthew if he remembers what his post-Olympic meal was. What was it? 
Chinese food at a like we got takeout Chinese food and ate it like a blackjack lounge table. table. I mean, no, 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 it I mean, was, yeah, it wasn't a blackjack table. We were it was like, like a, it was yeah. a, it was a low seating lounge table like yeah. next to the bar in a casino, and it, it was so bizarre. I was like, I can't believe. And then every night they would show the replays of the race. I think there was another guy uh, that was in the race that was was at the casino yeah, it too. Might have been, yeah, and so like it was really funny watching the guys in the Olympic final in the casino watching Watch the themselves. race. Uh, and then, you know, like having the people who are also watching kind of look over and being like, wait a minute, that's just, uh, that's the guy right there who was fourth place in the Olympics. Yeah. Well, I didn't have a great night at the casino. And as you know, I mentioned on money wise, money wise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, otherwise it was a great time. You you were cleaning up at the, uh, at that ATM machine. Yeah, I know <laughs> that thing was, was paying out big time for I you was. all night. Well, I, uh, I mentioned, you know, to, and I, you know, maybe that's the reason why we didn't mention that story on the on the programmer during our interview. Uh, but I did I did shoot Matthew a text just a, a minute ago thanking him, and he said, uh, "No problem. However many listeners we get for this podcast is how much you have to throw on the black at uh, the roulette table next time we are at the casino." So. Uh, <laughs> uh, I said, yeah, cool. sure. Let's uh, let's do no it. problem. Yeah, so um, maybe maybe they've got casinos in Rio, and you know maybe we can be broadcasting after the after the final and celebrating a medal for him. Um, if he medals, then what the heck? We'll put it on black at the roulette table. So oh, not we. He's, <laughs> yeah, he called you, you out. Made. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, enough gambling talk. Um, was a great interview. Uh, thanks again to, to Matthew for joining us. I, I think the less, rest of the show is going to be kind of a letdown. We do have tweets of the week, though. Before we do the Twitter, can we talk about the Army 10 Miler? Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. We actually had Chris there this afternoon, and we didn't ask him. Chris K. Chris Kwiatkowski? That's close enough. Yeah. Uh, Spell it. <laughs> yeah, no chance. Uh, he was sixth overall in the race, and with the leaders... Until about, I don't know, maybe 400 meters to go. Uh, so we'll have to track him down and talk to him about that. But an awesome performance. He ran 48 minutes uh, and some change there, 50 seconds or so. Um, was, I think, 12 seconds off the leader. So he's one of the Pacers racing team members. So congrats to him. That was awesome. Uh, we promised Docs to, f- to let people know how Maggie did. And she came through. Her net time was one oh five fifty eight. Met that met her goal. Met her goal. Pretty impressive. And she said, you know, between sixty five and seventy, you know. Right. So I'd say that's uh an awesome effort. She was uh fifty fourth, the fifty fourth woman overall. Congrats, Maggie. So that was uh that was a great uh performance. And that was that was the only people that we know that ran the Army Ten Miler. So let's yeah, move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait a second here. <laughs> Maybe our co-host uh, was out there. How'd you do, Joanna? Um, not bad. I ran pretty close to what I wanted to run. Um, I heard it was a PR. Modest. <laughs> um, it was like a baby PR. It was like a nine-second PR. A baby PR. Mm-hmm. I'd take any sort of PR. Well, it's you know, awesome. that's a. Uh, that's a four-second PR and a five-second podcast bump. That's oh, true. right. Yeah, so I can only, yeah, only... You can only, only take, take credit for four of those For seconds. four seconds, yeah. 
Well, congratu- congratulations. Well oh, done. Oh, we love clapping. <laughs> well, done. well done. Well done. Our new awesome. segment. Awesome work. Uh, it was a good day out there. Yeah, it was re- It was really nice. I've never done the Army 10 before. Okay. So it was great weather, um, and it was a really great course as well. Yeah. So s- 76 minutes. I just am looking up her time, too. So Did you want him to say your, your time? That's fine. I don't care. All right. All right. So 76 minutes, just looking up her time there, and a nice little baby PR. Uh, solid work. Solid work to Joanna, to Maggie, to Chris Kay, and everybody else out there who uh, ran the Army 10-Miler this weekend. There was also another big race this, this past weekend, too. We had some podcast listeners and podcast guests out there running the Chicago Marathon. Chicago. Yep. Uh, Robert Galanders, episode... Yeah, see, I'm putting you guys to the test. Fact-checking real quick. Carrie was episode 11. Okay. And Robert Galanders was episode 16. 16. Mm-hmm. See, Joanna blocked it out of her mind because she had that awful car ride home from New Jersey that day. <laughs> I think that must have been the reason why you couldn't remember exactly what the uh, episode number it was. So I'll give you a bit of a break. Oh, thanks, Chris. But but it was a good day for Galanders in 308. Annie Owens, uh, she ran a 17-minute PR, and this is a, from her uh, Twitter. She ran 3.18.11. She listened to Pace the Nation the day before. Coincidence? I think not. Hashtag 17-minute bump. Wow. Are we going to start promising that? Wow. I like. I, I appreciate that our listeners um, believe that we can, we're responsible for more yeah. than a five-second bump. Right. They're embracing That's it. That's great. That is great. Uh, we gave Nicholas Blake a shout out uh, mm-hmm. a couple episodes ago and wished him well. Uh, he tweeted and he said he finished the Chicago Marathon in three oh three twelve. Nice, nice, good job. I'd say the BQ is worth a missed happy hour. We'll make up for it. Uh, What's a BQ? A Boston qualifier. Boston qualifier. Oh, he's, he's going to make up for it <laughs> with uh, Goose Island. What's Goose Island? It's, it's a type of beer. Okay. All right. If it's not Miller Lite, I'm not sure I know what it is. Right. Mm. But uh, way to go. <laughs> you, you look disgusted. Sorry. You can find it in the same section of the store that you, where you find your Miller Lite. <laughs> That's true. Um, Mark Naylor tweeted in and said, uh, the five-second podcast boost isn't that much in a marathon. Can you translate it to 26.2? Well, I think Annie just did, mm-hmm. basically, to 17 minutes. So, I don't know, Mark. Uh, yeah, but that's why we, we said when, we, when, when the scientists came back with the theory, or after they proved the theory that there's a five-second podcast bump, that this is a show more for 100-meter sprinters. Right. That's true. Yeah, that would be really nice if uh-huh. you could get your, you know, 12-second. Not going to help meters. you. Not going to help you too much uh, when you're doing your 100-milers. Um, that's true. Um, but you're right. But come on, people. PR is a PR. Yeah, let's not get greedy. Uh, Lawrence Soto, uh, who uh, has been my trainer, he tweeted in and said the fun things you can see out on the USATF 12K training run. And he saw the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. I think that was a picture of uh, the Stay Puff. From he, Ghostbusters? I, I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know uh, where he found this, but... Uh, he uh, tw- uh, hashtagged it, give him a high four, because he only had four fingers. So I thought that was pretty funny, Lawrence. Well done there. Uh, we also heard from uh, our boy, uh, Kevin King. 
He said, uh, when are we going to start carrying those Space Nation branded Edison bulbs? And um, I don't Yeah, know. If, you're, if you're new to the show, we love Edison bulbs on the show. We do. Uh, Andrea R. tweeted that she was listening to Pace Nation while picking up her Army 10-Miler packet, and she loved the tribute to Chris Sr. Really appreciate that. Satya tweeted in and said he enjoyed the amazing interview with Maggie Smith. He doesn't even have... We left him speechless. No words for it. Uh, Sandwich Todd. We're going to get Sandwich Todd on uh, hopefully next week. Uh, he tweeted in that an owl was attacking a, a runner. Was I heard about that. William E. Docks a victim? Uh, no, because I don't run anymore. <laughs> oh, really? What's going on with your running? Stop running. After, uh, After Ragnar. Retired. I retired right. on top. That's, yeah, that's not a I'm hurt, guy. I'm just taking uh, some time okay. off. Uh, and Kevin King also... Uh, tweeted that he only runs on concrete and he had a picture of Yeah, Kevin King is allowed to have one tweet per show from now on. All right. Finally, our tweet of the week. Except we can talk about the Kevin King uh, tweet. We've evolved some giving you credit for this. I think he's doing this on purpose. I was the one who said that. I know. Like, he's just trying to, trying to, like, get get at me, you know? Yeah, I I think he is trying to needle you. Yeah. And it worked. Um, Finally, our tweet of the week is... It's actually not a tweet of the week. It's a favorite. Uh, last week's show, we uh, tweeted about Maggie Smith, and we had Maggie Smith News favorite our tweet. So I believe the Maggie Smith News, Maggie Smith of Downton Abbey. I was yeah. about to say downtown. But it's yeah. Downton. Dean Down, Maggie Smith. Down, Downton Abbey. Uh, so she tweeted in. Our, our favorite or tweet. So that is the tweet of the week. And Maggie Smith News will get a $20 <laughs> gift certificate to uh, Pacers Running. If they contact us. If they contact us. Um, what about from CT underscore McG spotted running celebrities, Detorious DC and KGAL3 while running with Run Pacer on the CNO today? Pace the Nation podcast shine. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that, Docs, and I'm sorry, CT underscore McG. Yeah. We did see a lot of running luminaries out that day. Luminaries? Yeah. We saw Amy Lukowski, who is a multiple Clarendon Day uh, 5K or, or 10K run, uh, winner. Uh-huh. Uh, she was running with K Gal. Uh, K-Gal 3, is it? And you? Or did no. you see them at separate times? No. She, we actually saw Joanne at a separate spot. Oh, I thought you I were both I can't keep up with them. Come on. Oh, yeah. All right. So uh, we saw a couple of Georgetown runners out there. So it was a good It was a good day to be on the canal. It was pretty uh-huh. late for Joanna. Yeah, I think it was like 7.30-ish. Yeah, it was. I always, I always love it when, when my friends talk about uh, getting together and going for a run in the morning after the fact. Yeah. So fun. Where was your invite? Yeah, so fun. But you're so, not running now. Exactly. Thank you. Did he know that yes, five seconds you. ago? Did he know that five seconds ago? No. And Pacer Nation is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with five area DC locations. Pacers Running is for every run. Navy Yard opens October 21st. We got a question in our Twitter mailbag from... We did. PBR... 5036 Russo. Hey, I know him. You do? <laughs> How long have you known him? Um, Just about 30 years. Yeah, just uh, about. Well, I was fishing for the answer to be my whole life. But, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, there you go. Uh, he has a question. 
And and he even tells you that it's a question because it says, question, do you pop blood blisters from running or let them alone? Question mark. Well, first of all, I want to know why he's getting blisters because I know for a fact that he is in the right shoes and that he wears the right socks. So mm. Maybe he's just asking us a question uh, Maybe he's trying for to help the show. Out he's trying to help out the show. All right. Yeah. Well... Um, oh, yeah. Or he's asking for a friend. Right. Asking you ask a lot of questions for a friend. <laughs> friend right. Well, a when friend I, has a gambling problem. <laughs> when, Let me ask this question. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, when I was a rower, you got a lot of blisters from... On your hands. Yeah, from, yeah. on your hands. So right. um, we were never allowed to pop the blisters. You just let them callous over. I still have like a lot of calluses on my hand. Um, but From for, that time? From that time, yeah. You can still, you can still feel them. But yeah. um, for... Wait. It it never goes away. Well, they they diminish over time. Science. Do you have an issue with that? Oh, I just didn't know that. Yeah. But when I have a blister on my foot, typically I do drain it. Do you guys? I do not. Really? Yeah, I do. Kind of what you uh, describe with your hands. Mm-hmm. If I have a blister, I'm gonna just let it kind of. Well, but if a blood blister. Uh, yeah. If I have that, I'm just gonna wave it in my niece's face as much <laughs> as possible. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm generally, I haven't been a blood blister guy, so, uh, you're a long shorts guy, (laughs) (laughs) so I'm not sure, uh, the answer to that necessarily. I just let it, I just let it live. I I put a bandaid on my blisters and then I I just run with them and generally I just let the, whatever naturally happens, happen. Mm Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, shout out to my nieces. Uh, Ella ran the bus loop today, nice. and Alex is running the bus loop tomorrow. Well, she the, hopefully they can beat Matthews. I think four twenty two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a as a really bad PR that for, was, for her. That must uh, have been yeah, must have been somebody yeah. uh, stopped in a light for a long time. Yeah, I'll find out. I'll find out what their PR is on the bus loop. So the votes are two votes for just letting the blister Let be, nature take its course. And let nature de- take its course. And one blister vote for blister popping. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say that I don't pop it. I drain it. Drain it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I um, sterilize like a safety pin and then mm-hmm. just like stick the safety pin in, drain it. So you still have skin over right. the blister. I, I like that. I like that. And I think, you know, I think generally the more you run... You're gonna have your your feet are gonna become more resilient, and there will be some natural callousing that happens, and hopefully it's you know it's adaptation. It's good. Yeah, it, hopefully it it's it's not too offensive because there are some runners' feet that are kind of offensive, but uh, yeah, it's adaptation, and you know let it let it naturally take its course. It's good for you. In my opinion, of course. Right, and you're a medical doctor, so yeah, exactly. everybody should be listening to what you have to say. Uh, guys, looking forward to the Pace the Nation happy hour. It's October 22nd. Uh, we're going to have the happy hour at Blue Jacket. Blue Jacket is two doors down from the Pacers running Navy Yard location, which will be open the day before. Uh, which also is a, a big event, October 21st, Navy Yard opens. Uh, we have a grand opening celebration. I think it's 6 o'clock, is it? 6.30. 6.30. And there's going to be a contest, free pair of socks for whoever buys the most pairs of shoes. Yes. Yeah, I like that, I like that contest. <laughs> I actually like that a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. So that's October 21st, but don't confuse 
The happy hour for Pace the Nation is October 22nd. We will be wearing Pacers, some sort of Pacers shirt that will... Um, Maybe I'll wear a half zip uh, Pacers shirt okay. that's blue. I thought you were going to say a half shirt. So I'm, I'm going I'm to wear a tank... Uh, <laughs> oh, like a... Uh, a, 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 a belly top? shirt? Yeah, I'm going to wear a belly yeah. shirt. A midriff. A midriff, yeah. yeah. Let's hope he doesn't do that. Yeah. If you were running, it'd be fine. But it's right. would, it, would it be fine? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yeah, what a weird thing to say. All right. I like that the song starts with New York City because uh, Matthew's got those New York City roots. That's where his dad was from. And he seems like a New York City guy, not a Portland guy. That's just my opinion. I think that's his opinion, too. Yeah, that's true. But really appreciate uh, Matthew joining us. Great show. Sorry for uh, doing all the talking during the interview, guys. Well, you say that after every interview, and then <laughs> the next one goes the same way. So I know. All right. Next time, next time I'm going to you know, put a sock in it or something. Next time we're not going to tell you about the interview. <laughs> that's a good point. All right. That's William E. Docs. And for Joanna E. Russo, I'm Chris Farley. It's Pace the Nation. We'll see you next week. After he moves, Drake's up next. See what he do with it. Blue had a run, couple movie parts. T.I. literally wanted to shoot up the charts. What up, TZ? What it do? Y'all remind me of us in early 92. Outcast landing, 3000 Hill. Like a male version of Lawn Hill. Mall Deep shook it, but Prodigy took it a little too far. Wu Tang gangbang, meth ate. Ray took on a date with the purple tape. Passed on an ace on it, then ghost face. They had a hell of a run, standing ovate. Hey. Gold digging holes when approaches. Told you I'm focused, man. I let you soak it in the platform.